Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So that that happens, then the value of the quiet time alone with God, it's lost, it's gone. And it's a, so what's obvious is that it's a tough struggle. It's a tough fight. First, to even have a morning quiet time with God. And it's a tough struggle to make that quiet time with God a valuable quiet time. It's a tough struggle. And it's a struggle of choice. It's a real battle with choice. And the picture that we have of the tough struggle in this matter of spending alone time with God in the morning, is the person of Mary, the sister of Martha, where Martha had succumbed. She gave in to the pressure and had abandoned the sitting at Jesus' feet and hearing his word. But Mary struggled against that pressure, and in her struggle, she chose, and she did, sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. And this is what's all told to us in Luke 10.38, Luke 10.38, where it says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost not thou care that my sister hath left me alone to serve? Bitter, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her. So this picture here is that Mary is struggling, struggling through with her choice of no matter how much pressure is put on me to get involved with this great list of urgencies, I've chosen to put everything aside and sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word. And commenting on the battle that she faced and the struggle and her choice that Mary had made, the Lord said that she had chosen the one needful thing and that was not gonna be taken away from her. So it's a struggle to have a morning quiet time with God. It's a struggle to make that morning quiet time with God a quality time with God, but it's the most valuable thing that we can do. So for the first 40 days, when he's out there in the wilderness, he's alone with God. It's a wonderful time. But then after the 40 days, when the Lord's alone, the devil comes to fight against him. So shows us that just because we're alone doesn't mean that we're protected from the attacks of the devil. Okay, so now we read in verse 2, 
that when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hunger. So it tells us that, that the Lord was hungry, and this is an example where he was hungry and in the end of his life in, in, in John 19.28, John 19.28 on the cross, he was thirsty. He said, I thirst. And it shows that he was hungry. He got hungry. He got thirsty and encouraging for us. He can have compassion on us. And, all right, so anyway, so verse 2 tells us that the Lord was hungry after 40 days of not eating. I'm hungry after 40 minutes of not eating, but he's hungry after 40 days. All right. So actually, we're told that we understand that 40 days is like the time. That's the time when it's no longer fasting. At that point, is starvation. So this is when real starvation sets in. And so he's hungry. He's starting to feel the pains of starvation. At this time, in verse 2, it says, when the tempter came to him. So, you know, it's interesting when it says, when the tempter, so they have the 40 days have passed, then the tempter comes to him. It shows how the devil, he's been watching the Lord. He's been eyeing the Lord during these 40 days, to find the most opportune time to attack. The picture of the devil here watching the Lord and not coming out in the open and confronting the Lord until the Lord was in his weakest state, starting to starvation. And you know what that's a picture of? That's like a picture of the lion. The lion who stays in the grass, in the long grass, for example, and just follows, is what they do. It just follows a herd of water buffalo or a herd of elephants or a herd of wildebeest or antelope and just watches them. That's all he does. The lion just sits there and walks, come out, and so you can see the lion just kind of watches. And what the lion is watching for is that one individual who's going to be the weakest one in the herd. You know, that young one that gets separated from his mother. You know, that old one who can't keep up with the herd. You know, that wounded one that drops behind. It's just watching for that one. That's what happens there. And, and when that one is seen, then the lion targets that one and just waits patiently for his opportunity. When that one is in the greatest vulnerability, then he strikes. That's what's happening here. That's what the devil is doing here with the Lord Jesus. He's watching the Lord Jesus during these 40 days. He's patiently waiting for the opportunities in his greatest vulnerability, which comes after the 40 days of not eating. And then he moves in for his great assault, his attack. This is important for us to see because it causes us to realize that the devil is a lurking lion watching us. He's watching us. He's waiting for the time of our greatest vulnerability. And this is what we're told in 1 Peter 5.8. 1 Peter 5.8. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's patient. The devil's patient. If it takes 40 days, he's got 40 days. That's not a problem for him. And then he makes the great assault. So he comes out finally in verse 3. It says in verse 3, the tempter came to him. He said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So what we see here, how the devil attacked the Lord at the point of his greatest vulnerability, which was his hunger. And that shows us how the devil, he's like a tailor. He's like a tailor with our temptations. And just like a tailor measures, studies, the person cuts the cloth to make the jacket that fits perfectly, the devil studies us and he cuts the cloth 
to make the temptation that fits our vulnerability perfectly. Now, it's interesting how the devil comes on the scene here. And like I said, the devil doesn't come on and says, hi, I'm the devil, I'm the adversary of God, I'm the opponent of God, so let's get on with it. He doesn't do that. He really comes on like a friend. It's kind of like a friend. He's saying, hey, pal, I see you're pretty hungry. Can I just give you some friendly advice? Why don't you just use your power? You've got all this power. You're the son of God. Why don't you just use this power and turn these stones into nice, hot, steaming, fresh bread, the kind you can smell the yeast The strategy of coming like a friend is all designed to get the Lord to say, yeah, that's a great idea. Why don't I use my power to turn these stones into bread? Why didn't I think of that? Thanks. That's what he's after. But, of course, you know, the devil would say, no, don't mention it. Just trying to help. In other words, the way he comes on appears so friendly. It's so friendly. It's got some good friendly advice. Well, I'm just coming to try to help you out. You're so hungry, I tell you what. He's just being a friend. That's the way he appears. And that's how the devil first approached Eve. The devil, again, you know, didn't come to Eve and says, I'm the devil, I'm, you know, the arch enemy of God. Didn't do that. I'm here to oppose you. Anyway, the devil came to Eve, just some friendly advice. He says, you know, did you get a good look at this fruit over here? It's got great benefit to it. It's going to open up your eyes. You know, your eyes, they look a little closed. It's going to open them up. You know, and you're going to be like God. You're going to have this wonderful knowledge of good and evil. And so that's what he's doing with Eve. He's just saying, can I just give you a little friendly advice here? You know, you're not really going to die if you eat this tree in the middle of the garden. Let me tell you, God's jealous of you. You know, he doesn't want your eyes to be open because you can become greater than you are. So my friendly advice for you is just, just do it. Go for it. Eat from that tree. And again, he wants Eve to say, oh, thanks for the good advice, okay. When he does this, comes in with this friend, as a friend, he's really transformed himself into a friendly angel of light that's giving good advice. And that's what we are told about him in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 2 Second Corinthians eleven fourteen says, no marvel, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. What he does when he comes in, First strategy, be a friend. Second strategy that he has is to introduce doubt. It says in verse 1, Genesis 3, 1, Genesis 3, 1, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? He just starts by getting Eve to doubt with this question. Did God really say that you shouldn't eat from every tree? in the garden? Are you sure you heard that right? Are you sure you heard God right? Maybe you didn't hear him right. You know, maybe God told you not to eat from any tree of the garden. It's all designed to get Eve to doubt. Did I hear him right? Have I got it right? And this is exactly what the devil did to the Lord when he said in Matthew 4, 3, in verse 3, verse 3, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So that's a statement to try to get the Lord to doubt, just like he said to Eve, hath God said. So he's saying to the Lord at this point, are you sure that you're the son of God? Are you really sure? I mean, you are so hungry, you're starving to death right now, and you don't look like God the son, starving to death. Maybe you're not really God the son. Doubt. 
So let me give you some friendly advice. I think you should just turn these stones into bread. So look, you can kill two birds with one stone. One, you satisfy your hunger. Two, you prove that you really are the son of God. And this is what Satan does today. His first step here, his strategy, is to get people to doubt. Just doubt. You sure the Bible's really completely true? Are you sure about that? How could it be true? It's been copied so many times for thousands of years. There's so many translations. Do you really have, do you have the right translation? Do you really know what the Bible says? You sure you really want to trust the Bible? I mean, don't you know that scientists have proven that the Bible's claim that the world is only 6,000 years old is wrong? Don't you know that scientists have proven that life and man just evolved over billions of years and there was no special creation like the Bible says or Bible claims? Are you sure that the Bible is accurate? I just want to give you some friendly advice. I think you should just take another look, pal. This is the strategy of the devil. Doubt, doubt is his strategy. So what he does, what the Satan does is a strategy is he goes after that how incompatible this is. That's part of his strategy. How incompatible this is. If thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread in verse three. He's saying it's incompatible for the Son of God to be starving to death. So do something to stop this situation. And that's the same thought that comes to us. Are you so unhappy in that marriage of yours? It's incompatible for a child of God to be so unhappy like that in life. God wants you to be happy. Get out of that marriage of sorrows. Are you really a child of God and you're suffering like that? You, a child of God, you should not be suffering like that. You're a child of God. You have the power to change the situation. Just go for it. So it's the strategy of this is incompatible. It's incompatible for you to be suffering like that as a child of God. It's incompatible for you to be suffering starvation as the son of God. And then the devil chooses a very specific word, again, a very specific word when it says here, the devil, it says in verse 4, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So that's the word, the word command. Well, command is a very important word because that's the word that describes the creation, the creation in Genesis 1-3, Genesis 1-3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light and there was that pattern. God commanded. It says in 2 Corinthians 4-6, what it says, 2 Corinthians 4-6, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. John 1, 1, John 1, 1, and John 1, 3, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that's the Lord Jesus. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That means he was the one who was commanding things to come into existence. What this is describing is Hebrews 1, 1, 3, speaking about the Son upholding all things by the Word of his power. That's the command. That's the command of the commander, the word of his power. So the devil is saying here, if you're the son of God, then you have the word of power, and you command, and it's so. So why don't you just command that these stones be made bread? That's the temptation. Okay, so this is a pretty strong temptation. And these were the attacks of the devil. They're mounted on the Lord, and now it came time for the Lord to fight back which he does in verse four when it says, but he answered 
and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So the Lord responds to this first temptation with these words, It is written. And this is how the Lord fought back. And he fought back with the first temptation with the words, It is written. And he fights back with the same words for the second temptation in verse 7. In verse 7, it is written again. And he fights back against the third temptation with the same three words in verse 10. Verse 10, it is written. So it's, it is written, it is written, it is written. And it shows us how we are to fight against the attacks of the devil. We have one weapon, one weapon, and that weapon is not our self-will It's not our strength to take on the devil, but our single weapon in fighting against the devil is the Bible. It's the Word of God. And that's why it says in Ephesians 6, 17, after it says, it says, uh, take the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. And then it says in Hebrews 6, 17, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ephesians 6, 17. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. In Hebrews 4.12, Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I mean, because ourselves, we are no match for the devil. We're going to see a little bit here how the devil with his power transports the Lord out of the wilderness up to a high point in the temple. That's power. And we are no match. He is way more powerful than us. And if we go into the ring with the confidence, I'm a strong Christian, I can take them on, fail, no doubt. We need one strong, effective weapon, and that's the word of God when fighting the devil, and that's what we see the Lord Jesus doing here is this fight against the devil, and that's what the devil is succumbing to. That's what the devil is yielding to, the word of God. There's so much power on these words of reliance on the Bible. It is written. There's power in those words. It is written. It's like saying, the Bible says. The Bible says. That's why it's so important for us to saturate ourselves in the Word of God so that we can use the Word of God skillfully. And this is what the Lord is doing here. He's using the Word of God skillfully. He's choosing the correct Scripture to meet each individual temptation. He's not just choosing any Scripture, but it's the correct one. And though when the Lord does this choosing of the different scriptures to fight the devil, we can see the Lord like going into the Bible like it's an armory. And he's walking in there, he's looking around saying, so which weapon do I need now? And so it reminds me of when I went to school in Montreux, which is the first school that I was expelled from. But anyway, before I was expelled, there was a castle very close to the school within walking distance called the Chateau Chillon, Castle of Chillon. And it was right there on Lake Geneva, and it's famous, in Montreux. And so us guys would go there a lot. It was kind of fun. We'd go there and look around the castle, several stories. And one of the places in the castle was the armory, an armory. And we went in there, and there on the wall were all kinds of weapons, the kind that you hurl around with big points on it, and the javelins, and the spears, and the, the bows, and the arrows, and the, the thing that hurled rocks. And it was just kind of interesting. And as you look at that, you can just kind of imagine the lookout in the castle seeing the enemy approaching and sizing up the enemy and telling the warriors, and then the warriors, you can picture them running into the armory and to choose the right weapon. This is the one, and that's what the Lord is doing here. He hears the temptation, 
the attack from the devil, and he runs into the armory of the Word of God, and he chooses the best Scripture as the weapon against this attack. And that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do, is to choose the correct Scripture for each attack, and that's why we need to know the Scriptures. That's why it has to live within us. That's why we have to spend a lot of time in that armory. Thy word is like an armory, Lord. So in verse 4, victory over the devil comes from the Lord using the correct scripture here, the word of God. And then when we do this, use the word of God like this, wonderful things happen to us because when we use the word of God as a weapon, as he did in verse 4, when he said, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So here's what happens. When we use the word of God in warfare like this, in battle, then all of a sudden the word of God opens up to us and we see wonderful things we never saw before. It never saw before. For example, in verse 4, when the Lord said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, it opens up this wonderful truth that there's two foods for man. There's the physical food of bread and there's the spiritual food of the word of God. And when the Lord said that man shall not live by bread alone, it opens up the wonderful truth of how privileged man is compared to the animals. How privileged man is to be able to live by the word of God. That's a high calling for man, to be able to live by the word of God. And then when the Lord said that man should live by the word of God, that shows us the wonderful truth of how totally dependent man is on God. Man's only happy when he accepts and embraces his total dependency on God. The unhappy man is one who says, I don't need God, he's independent. That's unhappy man. And this picture in verse 4 of man living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that paints man as a picture like a little young bird in the nest. The bird is too young to fly, and so all the bird can do is cry, and he cry to this mother for food. So the mother goes out and gets food in its mouth, or its belly and regurgitates or whatever, and carries it back to the baby bird, and then the mother puts the food from her mouth into the mouth of the little bird. And if you ask the baby bird, you know, how do you live? The bird would say, oh, that's easy. I live by every piece of food that proceeds out of the mouth of my mother. (laughs) That's a picture for us. And that's how the Lord describes man in verse 2, as living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, actually, the Lord is quoting here Deuteronomy 8.3, Deuteronomy 8.3, which says, Deuteronomy 8.3 says, He humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, uh, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, alone only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So this was a special time in Israel's history, when Israel had no way to generate food. They couldn't be, they weren't in one place long enough to planting the crops and, you know. Anyway, and they're out there in the desert. So they have no way to generate food for themselves. And they got hungry. And then they cried to God, and God sent them manna, bread from the sky. The sky became a bakery. And the bread falls down every day for 40 years. That was a very humbling experience for the people. It taught the people total dependency on God. And no one is ever going to depend on God unless they are humbled. Unless they are humbled, that's what it showed them there. And so so the point here is that when you use the Word of God, wonderful truths open up about the Word of God. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Well, we're going to stop here.
this first temptation. We'll continue with the next temptation in verse 5 next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our Lord Jesus. Lord, we worship him and adore him, especially how he became in this weakened state of man compared to God and how he fought and how he won victories for us and showed us how to win victories also. Thank you for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 